0: what's up buffalonians it's your boy nick english if you want the facts the stats and all the sports info on the 716 you've come to the right place this is english encore buffalo's favorite sports channel glad everyone's enjoying the content i appreciate everyone who's been tuning in week after week for both the live sessions on instagram and for my spotify episodes um we got a bit of a doozy today Here on the podcast channel, I'm going to be going into detail about the whole Ed Oliver situation and my opinion on that, as well as what the Sabres should be doing with their first round pick this year and whether or not I believe they should keep it or trade it. Um, So I'm going to be starting off with the Sabres. Um, My personal opinion is that they should not trade the first round pick. What I think is going to happen is that they probably will. Um, My biggest reasoning for that is because Jason Botterell is currently in a very, very tough situation. Um, I was one of the people that thought if this whole COVID did not happen, that there was a good chance he was going to be fired. But with everything going on now, I think the chances of him staying are more and more likely just because of everything going on. And he's in a situation where he's pretty much on a one year lease now where if he can't get this team to the playoffs, he's pretty much good as gone. And because of the tr- lack of trades he's been making or the bad trades he made in his first year and his inability to show any willingness to make a big move, I have the feeling that um, he's going to try to trade this first-round pick for a you know top-end forward or centerman, more than likely a centerman because we don't really have anyone outside of Jack Eichel. Um, The problem with this is when a general manager gets in this type of situation, they're not looking at the long-term effect on the organization as a whole. To me, when I look at this draft class, it's very heavy in forwards, centermens, whatever you need from a scoring perspective. There's been articles and reports out there from the best hockey analysts in the world saying how there's going to be guys going in day two that are going to make significant top six impact for your organization one day. The problem is, unless you have a draft class like we had with Eichel and McDavid, where those guys are going to be able to step in immediately and make a major impact, most of these guys that you're selecting probably between five through ten Um, they're going to be waiting a year or two, if not three, to develop and then come up. You know, Eichel is kind of a rare case for the Sabres. Same thing with Dahlien. These guys like Cousins, Middlestat, Nylander, in that 7 to 10 range, those are guys that need a year or two to develop, and you saw what happened. You know, Middlestat went to college for a year, and then they brought him up immediately instead of having him spend some time in Rochester, and it backfired on them. Then you look at, you know, Dylan Cousins right now. He played great um, in the league he was in this past year and tore it up. And it looks like he's in a good position to make the Sabres. He's a little bit of a different player because he's more built for the NHL. He's a bigger body. But at the same time, you don't want to have to have him immediately step in and fill that number two center role because, to me, you look at Eichel. is going to be a guy that, for the rest of his career, is going to be putting up between 90 and 110 points, in my opinion, at least for the prime of his career. And that's what you should expect. Second line center is kind of that guy that you might have more skilled guys on his wings, but he's still going to be putting up between that 60 to 70-point range. Can Dylan Cousins do that in his first NHL season? I don't think so. Maybe he could. Maybe I'm wrong. But to me, the perfect spot for him is sliding him into that third center role, putting him with a veteran guy and maybe another guy, if they acquire more of a bruiser type player that can protect him on the ice, sort of like the Wayne Simmons, old Marcus Felino role, have that guy that's still going to be able to produce 25, 30 points on his wing to go along with another guy that can score, but also protect him from getting hurt. And if Cousins can come in and score 35 to 45 points, um, that's great on the third line. That's what you need him to do. Now, can you go out and get a free agent to fill the number two center role? We don't know. They've had Marcus Johansson playing it, but he's more of a winger. And with their current cap situation, with a poso having to pay Reinhardt, Olipson, Montour, um, guys of that nature, Linus Allmark, you don't know what cap space you're gonna have. And you need to fill that number two center role and develop your bottom lines because frankly they just that's what's causing you to not make the playoffs. Now, here's the issue. Because the the draft is so forward and center heavy, you could draft a good prospect, develop them in Rochester, let them go to college, let them go play in their you know Swedish Finnish League, whatever it may be for a year or two bring him up by the third year, let him get a little taste, and then you're going to have yourself a potentially great player going forward. Jason Botterell, unless somehow he makes the playoffs next year, doesn't have that time to develop a player. Um, so he needs a player that's going to make an immediate impact, which could make him willing to deal the first-round pick even more. Now, my I don't have an issue if we do that, but you better make sure that you are getting the best of the best top six guy, number two center, whoever that may be. Am I trading the number seven, eight pick, whatever we're going to get to get a guy like Anthony Sorelli from Tampa, who's shown flashes that he can be great, but he's a little inconsistent. Am I going to be trading a number seven, eight pick for that guy? No. Um, You know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a guy that's been thrown around with the Sabres. He's a free agent, and he's going to demand some high money. That's another guy. Would I trade, even if he wasn't a free agent, would I trade that 7-8 pick for him? Maybe. He's got a lot of high upside, but, you know, Edmonton right now is a little bit better built than the Sabres. You know, having guys like McDavid, Dreisaitl on the first line is very helpful. And, you know, he's been inconsistent at times. Now, if you're telling me that Jason Bottle can go out and get a Mark Scheifele, Mika Shibanejad from the Rangers, Alexander Barkov, even a Steven Stamkos, elite-level guys in that top one or two lines, if you have to give up that seven and potentially a prospect to go get that guy, then by all means, go do it. But if you're going to get the Anthony Sorelli's or even, like, a JT Miller, um, even a guy that I've been super high on, Nikolai Ehlers from the Jets, you know, would I give up the 7-8 pick to do that? I'm not so sure I would. Would I give up a prospect and a second-rounder? Would I give up, you know, a higher prospect and a defenseman like Risto line to go get him? Yes, but you don't know what deals are on the table, and because the Sabres are so cap-tied, We've gotten taken advantage of in so many trades outside of, you know, maybe the Okiaru trade. Um, and, you know, the Cahoon one looks good right now for us. But, you know, when bottle only trades with the Penguins or trades with the Devils when a former Penguins guy works there. And then you got taken advantage of in the O'Reilly deal. It doesn't look good for you. And GMs know that and know that he's in a tough spot and are going to try to take advantage. And It just comes down to, is Botterill going to be the guy that looks out for his own job and you know goes and trades that pick to get a number two guy to play center or another number two winger, or is he going to make a selection, get a great player, develop them, and then hope he can use the rest of his free agent money to build the bottom six, Um, hopefully Jeff Skinner and Olsen have rebounding years or don't get hurt. And maybe you're a playoff team, and maybe you can go out and get another goalie while UPL is developing. Um, it's a really tough situation. So, personally, I'm not trading it unless you can get a guy like Mark Shifley or Barkov. And the other problem is you need to be building prospects. Botterill's preached how much he needs to build up Rochester, and he's done a good job of doing it. But at the same time, you're building up Rochester with all these old veteran NHL player, older players, guys who used to play in the nhl or just ahl you know veterans like yeah you're competing and going to the playoffs every year but are there guys that you're calling up to be the next stars or at least contribute at a third or fourth line level no you're not the sabers used to be top five almost every year in prospect pool and this year they're ranked 18th in the nhl that's below middle of the pack and, you know, you have Dylan Cousins and Middlestat and Thompson and Lawrence Pilot. But a good chance is those guys were going to be up here next year or they were on the Sabres and they got sent down. You don't have true prospects who are down there right now that you've been building up that in another year or two are going to come up. Maybe Pekar, Uka you know, Rustalainen. But other than that, like, is CJ Smith going to come up and be a third, fourth line contributor consistently? We don't know that. So to me, you need to be making these picks and developing these players in Rochester, which you said you want to build. You have a good coach there in Chris Taylor, and you need to be doing that. So to me, I would not be trading the pick unless a guy like Shifley, Barkov, Stamkos, any of those top-tier guys are coming around. So now moving on to the Ed Oliver situation. And this is a little bit more of a touchy subject because... Um, when talking about this kind of stuff with athletes, it can be perceived by, you know, ordinary people like myself and other people who are listening the wrong way because, you know, let's just face it, athletes have a different, you know, line of leniency as far as um their ability to get away with certain things compared to your normal Joe Schmo like myself. If I go out and get a DUI or I go out and get arrested, you know, I could be put in jail and I might not be able to meet that bond. I might not be able to get another job. I might not be able to do a lot of certain things that athletes on the other hand do still get to do despite incidents that happen. Now, am I saying that a guy like Ed Oliver should be cut because of this situation? No. Um, and the biggest reason I say no compared to a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of people, there are a lot of people that are the same feeling as me, is that it's a young kid, he just played his first season in the NFL, he has a lot of money, he's just, you know, with COVID going on, he's back home, you know, if the, if COVID wasn't going on and we already had stuff going on in Buffalo, maybe this situation doesn't happen, but we don't know that, and when you look at it, you know, he's a young kid and he made a mistake. And he should be forgiven for that mistake. As long as he learns his lesson, he's more than likely going to get suspended. And if he learns from it, great. We don't have any issues. He's going to be a great Buffalo Bill. And the thing with me, too, is all these people that say you have to release him because you've built this culture. Well, no. It's the complete opposite of that. If you have built the culture that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean constantly preach about, both from the GM and bean all the way down to McDermott and the rest of his coaching staff and the players talk about it all the time the process the culture if you have built that up properly there's zero reason that a one time incident should affect that player or your team it should be handled internally internally excuse me and you move on from it as long as it doesn't happen again it's not an issue brush it aside and move forward now, if it continuously happens, then yes, you got to cut them. you got to move on, get rid of him now, but we don't know what's going to happen. We have to wait and see. It's a wait and see. And Oliver has to earn the trust from the Bills management and his peers and the fans to be a part of the Bills organization. Now, where I understand the great from the people on the outside perspective, a common person like myself or anyone for that matter, is if someone like Oliver us makes that mistake and it can screw up the rest of our lives compared to a professional athlete making that mistake and they're still going to be a part of the team potentially or continue to make millions of dollars or still be financially set for the rest of our lives and some people say well you need to keep that same energy when a young person in our world today regardless of race religion whatever it may be makes a mistake that if they're a young person, 17, 18 years old, and make a mistake, don't scrutinize them. Try to help them learn from it and allow them to make that mistake. And as long as they don't continue to do it, then there should be it shouldn't be as big of a deal as people make it. But when it's not a professional athlete, I feel like it gets blown up more and they don't get that second chance that a lot of these athletes or professionals in different industries get. Now, looking at it from the Bills' perspective, the people that say, well, because of the culture, regardless of how good it is, they need to get rid of him to set an example. Well, if you do your research and you look at what the Bills have done since Bean and McDermott have gotten here, they've handled a handful of these type situations. Not necessarily the same exact thing that Ed Oliver did, but similar type things. Now, let's examine this. So... Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott took over in 2017 following Rex Ryan. So they sold a lot of Rex Ryan players before they eventually started clearing them out. So they had Adolphus Washington, who was arrested in July of 2017, and he was not released by the Bills until September 10th, 2018. He was arrested when he had a gun on him, even though officers were searching his car or something of that nature, and he did not make them aware of it. And he got arrested for it and he still was on the bills for one game into 2018 before he was released. Then you look at Marcel Darius, October 2017, Bills traded Marcel Darius to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prior to that, he had felony drug charges. He went through an intervention program. He you know destroyed his entire car doing a car race and you know got charged for reckless endangerment. But he was still on the Bills roster and wasn't traded until 2017 in October. So he was still, it was part of the process of getting rid of some of these Rex Ryan players, but guys that had histories. You look at March 2018, Zay Jones is arrested for felony vandalism. He was also seen naked and no charges were pressed, but it seemed like there could be a potential drug issue there. He's going through something and he still remained on the Bills roster. Um, before getting traded to the Raiders. Then you look at last year, the Bills signed Tyrell Dodson, an undrafted rookie. He was arrested for domestic violence and disorderly conduct. And the Bills were aware of the situation. He was still signed. He was placed on you know, the commissioner's exempt list. And he was released in November 2019 after serving a six-game suspension for that incident. And the Bills pretty much had to make that move because... They weren't sure if they get him on the practice squad or they needed to make the roster move to add another guy to the 53-man that thought they could help them make the playoff push, so that's what they did. But he was still on the roster. You look at Richie Incognito's second stint with the Bills. He was here with McDermott and Bean. He got a second chance after all the things that went down in Miami with Jonathan Martin. Then after him and the Bills couldn't handle a dispute with his retired contract situation, you know, he got into an incident down in, I believe it was, uh, Arizona at a funeral home and going crazy and whatnot. And he got suspension once he decided to sign with the now Las Vegas Raiders, but he was the guy that the bills gave a second chance despite history. And then the biggest name I want to look at as far as a star, because Ed Oliver has potential to be a star is I look at LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy was accused of having people, um, invade, his girlfriend's house or his house that his girlfriend was at and she was assaulted. And then she also claimed that McCoy beat his son and his dog and all this other stuff. And he still was on the bills for a full year after that was in position unless they would have maybe not gotten Singletary to still be on the bills. He's still in the league, still is going to be in the league. Some of the, you know, um, cases were dropped against it. And, you know, I'm a personally, I'm a fan of LaShawn McCoy. If this stuff was proven true, definitely not. But if you look at the police reports, McCoy also had three previous incidents at his house with his ex-girlfriend in which he called the police on her and legit identified himself and said he could see problems in the future with her because he tried to kick her out, tried to get jewelry back, and we still don't really know what's going on. But if you ask other media people, people surrounding the NFL, LaShawn McCoy, He's never done anything to his son or abusing any dogs of any sort. So to me, those claims were false. But the reason I like to point at Sean McCoy is because he had that star talent in his prime with the Bills. Maybe not towards the back end, but beginning to the year that he was accused of doing it. And, you know, it's different from Ed Oliver, who was arrested on Saturday in Houston, where he's from, on driving while intoxicated and unlawfully carrying a gun weapon, or carrying a weapon, excuse me. And. I look at it from the star perspective. It's like, okay, if this guy can learn from his mistake, take the suspension, turn around, we're good. We don't condone what you did. And that's the other big thing. I'm not condoning what any of these players have ever done. No one is condoning Ed Oliver for what he did. But, you know, you also have to realize that no one's perfect and people make mistakes. And according to the NFLPA, Rule 2.2, Um, violations of law involving alcohol the quote from it is absent aggravating circumstances discipline for a first offense will be a suspension without pay for three regular season or postseason games so ed oliver is more than likely facing a three-game suspension now it could be different because sometimes the nfl lets the court system determine it first and, you know, the gun laws by state, especially down in Texas where he's from, are going to be different than the one in New York State. So, we still have to wait and see what those things planning out. But, I guess the main point I'm trying to make is, what El did was definitely wrong. But, at the same time, the culture that the Bills built and the people around the organization, we have the tools that make this a one-time thing. Let a young person learn from his mistake, take his penalty and let it better him from the future. I'm sure there's tons of players, not only on the bills and other stuff that have done legal or got arrested that not many people know about because you know, they're athletes or it's kind of tucked under the vine, whatever it may be. But you know, it's a learning experience. I think the same thing should apply to athletes as it should just our everyday regular person. And you know i'm understanding of you know you don't want to just keep giving people chance after chance because of things of this nature you know you're arrested from a dui and if you just brush it off and you let them pay their fine especially from an athlete's perspective if they do it again they could potentially kill or hurt someone everyone still needs to be aware of the situation so that you have the people reminding them to not make that same mistake because it could cost someone their life or you know cost themselves you know a job a career whatever it may be so that's kind of just my two cents on the situation we'll see what happens going forward with corona going on right now it's kind of hard because the bills really aren't in their facilities yet it's starting to reopen up we don't really know what the season's going to be like with or without fans so just something to keep an eye on but that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode Um, If you haven't done so already, please go and follow at English Encore Podcast on Instagram. I've been doing my best every week to have some great guests come on for live sessions. You know, I really enjoyed last week. We had a really uh, filled weekend. On Friday, I had former NHL goaltender Marty Baran on with me. Had a really great conversation with him. And then on Saturday, I had two coaches that I met while I was at Cortland, and Eric Flutie and JC Brooks were very great up-and-coming coaches who you're going to want to know about for the future and I had a really great conversation with them. I'm going to be posting in just a little bit from now on my Instagram page who I'm having for this Saturday and it's going to be a great time. I appreciate everyone's support and I appreciate everyone who tunes in each and every week and I look forward to keep producing content. I'll be having another podcast Saturday afternoon following my live session but Thank you everyone for tuning in. This is the English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.